We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And last week, we got into a couple of player reviews. We're going reflecting back on this last Lakers season. We got into Dennis Schroeder, his season and his playoffs and his fit alongside LeBron and AD and, and Kind of setting up, we'll have more conversations about him and Drummond. We had a pot on him as well in terms of their future, but we're still looking back. And some of these are going to be on individual players, but others are going to be on broader concepts. And this is going to be one of those pods. Our outside shooting, atrocious this season by and large, and then abandoned us in the playoffs. And we just shot absolutely terribly on, on even open and wide open shots. We weren't able to get that. And then a few days ago, I was watching game five of the Utah Clippers series, Darius. And there were like four dudes on fire at the same time. Is Bogdanovich and Clarkson, our old guy JC on Utah. And then Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and Paul George. And this is all happening in the same game, right? Now, this is not usual. It was a 10 out of 10 shot making game in terms, in terms of some of the shots these guys were making were just absolutely ridiculous. But it was such a stark contrast to watching our guys missing open threes. I think that there's there's a conversation that needs to be had. That can't happen again. I think that our approach toward defense can detract from our three-point shooting because guys' legs, right? Like it's getting guys who are real defenders and a guy like Alex Caruso, guys who defend like that, you've only got so much in you and that can affect your jump shot. So anyway, I'm curious, this is something that you saw coming, at least in terms of when we talked about what are the ways in which this season can go wrong? Number one was injuries, but in terms of on-court stuff, we had all of those scoring droughts, right, that Mike would always you know, talk to the producers and we'd see that spectrum graphic of zero field goals in the last three minutes and 55 seconds. A big part of that wasn't because we weren't generating open shots, it's because we can't freaking shoot. And so where are you at on that, D? Because you saw this as a, a potential omen uh, in something sinister going forward, and it certainly played out that way. Yeah, but I don't think I was psychic in, in any way, right? Like sure. in the same way that we talked about on the last pod with Mike saying like, yeah, Kevin Durant may 
they have to score a lot of points. And it's yeah, just like, oh, yeah. have a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's certainly capable of that. Sure. And so I looked at the Lakers shooters and sort of like year long trends and the way that they had been playing recently during that stretch where we were having real conversations about what were things that we saw that could potentially go wrong for a team that projected to be really good still. And Shooting was, to me, at the top of that list just because the caliber of shooters the Lakers had wasn't particularly high. Like, you were talking about, oh my goodness, look look at the Clippers, look at the Jazz, like, these guys are on fire. Yeah, those were also two of the best shooting teams all league, in the league all season long. And, and so watching that caliber of shot making may still be striking, particularly in comparison to the Lakers, but it's not necessarily off brand for them. Now, if the Lakers had a, oh man, the Lakers made 15 threes tonight, or they made 17 threes, that would be off brand. And it's them. not just the volume of the threes, it's the like, Shot fake, sidestep, leaning, pull up, yeah. like high high caliber shots, high degree of difficulty shots from those types of teams that our guys can't really do. Yeah, but I think, and Mike, you've spoken to this point a fair amount over the course of, of this season. And, and Pete, you, well, you have as well. But there are trade-offs when you chase the types of players that the Lakers have chased, right? And so you can get, a crazy shot maker like a Jordan Clarkson, or if you're watching the Atlanta Philly series, for example, like a Lou Williams or a Bogdanovich. Seth Curry. Or a Seth Curry, but those guys are deficient in other areas, particularly defensively, which is one of the Lakers' pillar identity points. And so to me, it's sort of like, all right, yeah, like let's sign a Wes Matthews. Because he's a quality shooter, but you're not signing him because he's a shooter. You're signing him because he's a rugged defensive player who is sort of less mistakes are going to be made by a guy like him. And even KCP, I feel like his identity has shifted more towards the defensive end. Like he is the the Lakers sign D and three guys. That's right. That's a great way of putting it, because when we say those three and D guys, it's not always the in a 50 50 proposition almost ever, really. No, it's not. And a lot of times you're looking for the guys who can shoot first and maybe give you some defensively and hopefully up to average. But the way I looked at the construction of this team, I was just like, look, even the Lakers best shooters are streaky guys. And there's not really a. KCP is the closest the Lakers have to a knockdown guy and a guy who teams have to chase around. And at least last season, the Lakers had Danny Green, who historically had been looked at that way to mixed results. But I think that his reputation was one where it's just like, oh, well, you got to guard Danny Green out there. And I feel like it was not the same this year, and it bore out in the results. Mike, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you have said over the course of the pod that the shooting stuff is a little bit overrated when it comes to the Lakers and, and how much it matters. Like, it matters, but how much does it matter if LeBron and AD are at their best, 
right? And so talk to me some about what you thought about the Lakers shooting. How important was it that they were sort of so hot and cold? And do you think it would have played out the same exact way if the stars were aligned a little bit better, particularly with with the health aspect? You can take out a little bit and say a lot bit overrated. Uh, this has been one of my pet peeve topics over the last two years. I and love these. It's, it's something that immediately annoys me. Um, thankfully, Darius has already talked some of that down um, by making a lot of the points uh, that I have I have kind of been trying to make whenever people complain to me about the Lakers shooting um, over the last couple of years. I, just just to kind of let's let's go the whole the whole route here. I know we have the whole pod to talk about this, but do you guys know where the Lakers finished in three point shooting last season? In the regular off the season? top of your head, yeah. Mm, I don't know. I would say it's in the twenties. Yeah. So 16th, they're at 35.9%. Did the Lakers lose more than maybe like one playoff game because of their shooting or their perimeter shooting last season? They lost a couple because of our perimeter shooting. Really? I would say that was the main, I would say that was the main culprit. And I mean, okay. look, we only lost five games overall. And I'd say our outside shooting was probably the culprit in two or three of them. Okay. So did they win the title last season? Hell yeah. Yes. No, I'm not saying okay. that this isn't, all I'm saying is that a, when we lose, our shooting is usually at the top of that list. Okay, so if you want to plug in some just you, – you mentioned Seth Curry earlier. Plug in Seth Curry and take out KCP or Danny Green. Then then how are the Lakers doing? Now, it's maybe it's a different team. They probably they probably still win the title, okay, in a in a – but it's like you can't have everything. So mm-hmm. you can't give me the, the whole shooting thing as this is the point that Darius made that got me a little bit calmed down. If you want to just put on knockdown shooters, which some people argued like, okay, Ben McLemore is in theory a knockdown three-point shooter. He couldn't stay on the floor, nor should he have. And even if it's Kyle Korver or look at Joe Harris right now, who are, you know, more traditional, like consistent knockdown type shooters. All you got to do to those guys in the postseason is face guard them. Those guys become more often than not obsolete. If you're only if you can only shoot, there is a very easy defensive technique, which is not giving you that much space. Uh, and then the rest of the offense is going to break down. So, yeah, the, the shooting has been overrated. It always has. And you, what you want instead is two dominant two way stars uh, that will win you the title. Mike, I, I agree with your point, like 80, 85 percent to play devil's advocate, though. Those guys don't get taken away when you've got LeBron and AD on the floor because LeBron and AD are attracting. Our problem this postseason was not Joe Harris can't get space coming off of a screen, and that's something that's essential to getting him open and him being a good shooter. Our problem was that was Anthony LeBron, Davis getting injured. Well, yeah, on the court, right? But in terms of like in each individual basketball game, not in a global sense, but in terms of what went wrong in that game with those players for whatever reason, those players were and were not on the floor. When we lost, it was very much because we could not make open shots. I agree with your point, right? Like you replace Seth Curry with Danny Green or KCP. All of a sudden, you've got defensive problems that you do not have when you've got those guys on the floor. That can matter on every single play, as we're seeing in a lot of these playoff series. If they find a weakness in a seven-game series, they're just going to spam the plays and sets that exploit that over and over and over again. And so if Seth Curry can't defend in a particular situation against this team, this lineup, this personnel, like he just can't play. And there's a lot of playoff situations where it's like, that guy can't play in this series. Or he can play, Pete, but because he's giving you a lot on the other end of the floor, but 
you have to compensate for that in ways that create potentially other issues for you that then lead to other things. And and so playoff series are checks and balances up and down and it's compromises and the team who has to compromise the least and can stick to their identity the most is likely going to come out on top, right? Regardless of the circumstances of their team and in a vacuum, the talent is relatively equal, right? And there's no injuries, mostly. Everyone's healthy, mostly. Let's go and play the best version of our, of ourselves against the best version of you. If the best version of you has to compromise defense for shooting, if the best version of you has to compromise size for quickness, and there are all these trade-offs that 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 you're making. You run into the wrong team that can capitalize on your compromises, and you're stuck. And you're going to run into problems. And I think that that's one of the things that we're seeing in the Philly-Atlanta series, where you would probably say Philly should be winning this series. But they are making compromises that they have not been able to overcome, at least to this stage of the series against the Hawks when at this point that we're recording they're down in the series three to two let me fact check myself for a second so you guys were right last year I was so I have both these pulled up so last year they were 21st and threes right 34.9 percent this year in the point I, I wanted to come around to they were 16th through the first AD injury so through February 12th when they were you know hitting threes at a pretty decent rate, especially early in the season before we saw that kind of fatigue element creep in when they had the Mm -hmm. back-to-back like OT games against like OKC and Detroit, right? That kind of mess in February. And they were around 36%. And my whole thing all along has been that they have guys that are plenty good enough to hit threes at somewhere between 35 and 40% uh, around LeBron and AD. And if it's KCP and it's Wes Matthews, it's Caruso to an extent, <clears throat> it's shooter to an extent like there you're not going to go around the league and find guys that that you're going to plug in that are going to be just guaranteed better shooters and then also be able to do the other things those guys do so that's that's where i've had a problem with the whole discussion of what this like if they just knock down shots the reason they're not knocking down shots is because of the fatigue built up from two years from the lack of one of the two stars on the court making those shots not quite as open and all of that building together um, into a postseason run. It's not because they don't have guys that can shoot. It's not be, like it's and be, it's also, by the way, it's also because they played the best defense in the league. And therefore, their legs were not as fresh be, in just within a single game because they right. had to compensate for LeBron and AD. When LeBron and AD missed the month together um, in from March to April, the Lakers were fourth in defense. They weren't hitting a lot of shots, but they were competing their ass off and they were playing really hard. And that impacts shooting. It's like why the Washington Wizards are, you know, were so high in offense and shooting threes the last couple of years because they don't really play defense. Right. So they got plenty of legs to extend up for that three point shot. So just if you want to if you want to try this out, go play pickup, play your ass off on defense and then try to hit a three. Yeah. On the next possession, don't play defense. Just stand on your guy. And then shoot a three in the next possession, and, and then exp- so that I, I uh, Pete, please, please respond to that now. But I, I don't think the three point shooting the Lakers had in the playoffs was because they have guys that can't make threes. I agree to an extent. There's a tipping point, right? You and said eighty five percent before. Are you are you are you like eighty nine after that? No, 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 no. I agree with your. Okay, okay. 
so this is more of a subtopic, right? Like how important is three versus D, right? That is kind of the philosophical question that we're debating here is that we've got all these guys that, you know, are going to be really good defenders pretty much every single night, but the trade-off that you get both in terms of legs and physical conditioning, which is something that that's probably the hardest aspect I think for, for fans and us watching on our couches to relate to is how uh, physically demanding basketball is. Oh, but Pete, can I introduce one last thing into your, what, what as you for your yeah, topic? Yeah. So your two best players are not great three point shooters. Right. And so, and that's the thing we kind of forget to talk about sometimes like LeBron and AD themselves aren't great three-point shooters so and that is why so i agree with the broader point that like give me defensive guys give me d and three guys instead of three and d guys uh as a general rule any day of the week it's also important to match philosophically what your head coach does that's where vogel's coming from right i always talk about he solves his problems through defense but i would argue that there's a tipping point and in making that decision that the the d is more important than the three we are sacrificing three-point shooting relative to the roster constructs constructions of other teams. And so when we think about what is the, my, my overall question is what is the importance of three point shooting on our team? I think that we could argue that we have less of a need. Like if we are an average three point shooting team, we are winning almost every game, right? If we can shoot, if you could tell me you will shoot no lower than 30% in any game this season, but no higher than 40% in any game this season, I would take that deal every single time because I know with everything else that we do, we're probably going to win that game. It's when we go, you know, seven, four, 35 from three that those are the games that we lose. Anyway, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get more into this philosophical uh, argument regarding defense versus three-point shooting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Mike, within that decision of we're going to value defense, we're going to put more importance on that than three-point shooting. 
There is a threshold, I think, and I, I view a lot of different skills in basketball. Like we talked a lot about this with ball handling earlier in the season where it's like, if you don't have a certain amount of ball handling, the game becomes totally different. Or we played this one game against the Pelicans where remember that stretch we had none of our big guys and like Keith was the biggest dude on the team. And you've got Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. And even though the Pelicans weren't like a really good team, those dudes are so much bigger than us that the normal basketball like the way a basketball game would normally go at the NBA level, it won't go that way because there's such a, an overwhelming you know, difference there. Our three-point shooting was that bad in the Phoenix series, but it's not that bad. Like you said, we're not 30th in the NBA as a, as a shooting team. But there is a threshold, I think, that where if you dip below, it, it becomes problematic in that type of way. Maybe not to the severity of the examples I gave, but the same concept applies. I'm worried, and this makes a Danny Green argument, a pro Danny Green argument for, uh, from me. Hey. Is, is that right? Is that. Let's go, Darius. Our we shooting last year was one of the weaker parts of our team in the championship run. In exchanging Green for Schroeder, while a talent upgrade, it dipped the caliber of three point shooting below that below one of those thresholds where it's like, oh, this is a problem, even though like if you just had a little bit more of it collectively. And that's why I asked when you were talking about Schroeder's shooting in the pod that we did, I asked, well, what did he shoot in the playoffs? Because he shot 38.5% in the regular season. What did he shoot in the playoffs? That was under 30%. And I think the playoffs reveal a lot of truths about your team. Even I'm almost to the point where I take playoff statistics, even in that very small sample, more seriously than I take regular season statistics because like those don't matter and they don't really reveal truth the way the playoffs do so anyway take that in whatever direction you want to go okay so yeah this this, i do think the sample size if you just play one round uh, is too small especially when in this case with all of the different injuries and not just ad but kcp and lebron not being 100 percent and and the fact that the lakers looked on track to win the series before ad got hurt uh whatever i'll take all of it aside so I, I'm not going to put too much stock into this specific playoff season because of all the injuries uh, and, and all that. But generally, I get your point. And I think that – but to me, that plays out more, Pete, when – like if it's five percentage points apart – and this is what I said before. If you're a dentist shooter and you're a 35% three-point shooter or Rondo, that's okay for me. If, if, if you could just bang one or two here and there. If you're Ben Simmons, it, like if you're – that's the problem that you can't if you're Giannis from three point territory, that is the thing that I think kills an offense when you have guys that just literally cannot make a three uh, that won't get guarded that. And, and I think that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Westbrook last year, like those things that can be so drastically scouted for Tony Allen a few years ago, like when Golden State, that's basically why they beat Memphis. So if you've got somebody that you you sort of feel like has to be on the floor because of how good they are defensively, and and I think Caruso is a good barometer for this. Caruso's not a it, it, he's not a natural you know just three point shooting type wing, but if you leave him open, he'll bang enough uh, where where like it's fine because his defense is so great and the other stuff that he does off the ball on offense is good enough. So like in the last five minutes of a basketball game, I'll take Caruso over Ben Simmons every time. Would you guys? <laughs> You're trying to get us uh, involved in this audio clip that that will inevitably get clipped and piss off Philly fans. Yes, I would. Yes, it, I would, Mike. I'm it, with you. 
But so, and that's, that to me is Pete, that is a kind of a microcosm of this larger point that I'm trying yeah. to make. I don't know if it's successful or not. It's that there is a margin that which you kind of put, put up, yeah, uh, this is a great yourself. Point. You know, there is a margin by which, and you're right. Some of it has to do with gravity where it does hurt you. If you don't get like Marcus all and hit the gravity that he has as a three point shooter that can make up for shooter being 40% to 35%. But overall, it doesn't matter in the big picture. As long as you're within within that margin of error, you're going to make enough shots to win a playoff series. You may not make enough, you know, to win every game and you may miss some that cost you a game here or there, but you're not beating a a Laker team with defensive guys on the court and LeBron and AD four times based on three-point variance or perimeter shooting variants. You might beat them um, if you if you don't have the defensive chops around the two stars there. And I think that's a calculation that Vogel and Rob Palenka and LeBron made when they built both of these rosters. And I think both of them would have been good enough in a vacuum of a season, take out COVID and pandemic and lack of offseason and all that. And, uh, and so that's kind of where I stand on it. So y'all made a bunch of good points. I want to bring it back to the Lakers just within the context of and while still keeping a bigger picture idea. To me, there's a baseline of competency you need in across your team as a three-point shooting team. Pete, I thought the point that you made about swapping out Danny Green for Dennis is illustrative here because the Lakers did downgrade their three-point shooting there. In a weird way, not having Rondo on the team anymore in terms of what his effectiveness was like during the playoffs. He's actually really good at a certain shot, too. And it's a very simple shot. But if you leave him open and he gets time to set his feet and all that, he's going to knock that down at a 40 plus percent clip. So just having like a type of guy that not like a Ben McLemore, but the ability to hit one shot, even the simplest shot really well is important in the playoffs. So there's a baseline of competency you need across your team. I would also argue that not all three pointers are made the same. And not all three-point shooters are made the same, right, in terms of how they're defended, what position they play, how valuable threes are, and how important they are to the effectiveness of that player. So I look at a player like Marc Gasol, for example. In some ways, I think in looking back on the season, I think we exaggerate the idea of how important three-point shooting is from your center, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's Mm -hmm. helpful. And if you're asking me if I prefer to have it or not have it, I'd prefer to have it. That said, if I've got a center who can shoot, but I've got a point guard who can't, I'd rather have the point guard who can and the center who can't. Yeah, I like that. So that's what I mean by not all three-point shots and shooters are created equal. Because if I'm going to have a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot and is a perimeter-based player and is a shot creator for other people, that skill set there most resembles a guard. This is a tangent, but I was listening to a Zach Lowe pod very recently, and he was talking to a writer who covers the 76ers. And he was making a point about Ben Simmons. And he's just like, yeah, you know, Philly has classified Ben Simmons as a point guard. But now people are starting to come around on the idea that like, okay, well, Simmons is actively hurting the team. And there's sort of two camps, right? There is the, hey, Simmons is actively hurting the team here. And there's another camp of people who are like, well, look at all the other things that Simmons does so well 
Those things are valuable and they're important and they help the team. And that's true. But this Philly writer made a great point and he said, it's like if you said, well, Chris Paul's our starting center. And you would be like, look at all the things Chris Paul does, right? He's so good at basketball. Look at all the ways that he's helping the team. But at some point, the job description for your center, Chris Paul doesn't do those things well, right? He's not rebounding and protecting the basket and blocking shots and being an intimidator and defending the post. He doesn't do those things well. And those things are in the job description, Mm -hmm. right, of the position that you started at. So it doesn't matter. That in some ways that like if you're a point guard, I, I feel like the perimeter guys the Lakers have, they, they need to have a baseline of competency at this and not have the dips that they've had. Right. And and so when you said the range idea, Pete, to me, that's an important thing because guys, we I feel like one of the issues this year was, oh, this dude's capable of going one for six and doing it over the stretch of a seven seven game series. And that's a problem. Absolutely. And Mike, you illustrated this point really well about the idea of there's a certain place where the complete inability to do something is where it's really problematic, right? Like just be able to hit some open threes. And if you're defending, right, that's the what you need to be able to do before it becomes a problem. I would argue that Dennis, to be specific to the Lakers, Dennis is not that kind of shooter, but when Dennis does not believe in his jump shot, he almost does that to himself. And his the, between the the confidence, and this is me, right? Like I don't I don't know what's going on in Dennis's head. That's my observation because I see him passing up open shots when he's not hitting. And these are shots that he will take when he's feeling good about himself. So that may be just an inference, but that's what I've seen. When he's passing up those open shots as a combination of the slow load on his jumper and that hesitancy to take that shot, I would argue that that combined with not a lot of shooting around the rest of the roster and the fact that our two stars, that's not something that they do well. We start as a team kind of dipping into that territory, even if it's not a place that we occupy all of the time. That's all fair. I think that that when you describe that situation, that makes me think of the most recent basketball that we saw which was, of course, the first round of the playoffs. I don't I don't recall seeing as much of that from Shooter in the first half of the season, certainly. And certainly when they were all healthy, I, I think that that showed up later. And that is problematic. And that did con- contribute to losing. And that is something to think about. But, yeah, Pete, we would, I would want to go back and look more and just watch a few of the games earlier. Like the numbers bear out that Shooter was pretty much acceptable in terms of shooting earlier in the season and I I would expect that he would get back to that because he's never been a bad like an awful shooter he's never been a great shooter but can he be a, a playoff shooter this is kind of underlying yeah, this is point. where I'm in- concerns about his playoff shooting like I think shooting is different in the playoffs is basically my point yeah I mean I thought so again I I, I thought that he shot I didn't in watching this series last year and I know that uh, Darius was looking at these numbers last time. Um, so I'll pull them up while we're talking. But when he was playing for OKC against Houston, I don't remember watching that series and thinking that he was costing uh, he was costing the Thunder anything by not hitting shots. Uh, uh, here, I'm, so I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Darius, feel free to jump in. But he – okay, so OKC against Houston, 13 for 45 uh, from, from three, which – is actually pretty bad. What is that? That's about 30%. 
That's 33%. So that's, so that's yeah, so that's about yeah, let's see, 13, yeah, 13 for 45, 28.9%. And then this year oh, yeah, it was, was 30.8%. So in previous playoff series for Atlanta, he shot the ball decently from three, actually. So 45%, 50%. Now those were the the sample size a little bit seventeen yeah, what's for forty the volume one year on that? nine yeah. for nineteen seventeen for forty so like he had two he had two seasons or two first round series where he shot the ball pretty well I and this is what's weird about Dennis is that he is generally speaking a pretty good kind of moxie guy like a confidence guy and I I just thought he wasn't quite the same when he came back from the health and safety but it's a fair question to ask uh, Pete it is and that's where I think like what we've said in the past about Danny Green was he can go in shooting slumps, but he's still going to get him up. And then KCP, that's where he he can kind of come into this as well, where he was great throughout last postseason, but he'll have those spots where he doesn't trust it. And that happened, of course, in this series. But yeah, so that all I can acknowledge that the shooter, that's something that he does kind of continue to need to show. But I'm not as scared about that as I would for somebody that just can't hit shots. I want to go back to a point that you made this is sort of an underlying point of this entire pod is that the Lakers are clearly building their team towards defense and they're clearly building their team towards like size and sort of physical imposingness, right? That's not a word, but whatever. Pete, you made the point earlier that AD and LeBron actually aren't very good three point shooters. They're okay for their positions. They're, they're okay. But the, Bigger thing is that teams play them to shoot that shot, not because they can't get beat that way, but because they will get beat all of the other ways that these guys can beat you. And so this is the best option to defend these specific players. And that creates a ripple effect across your roster. AD and LeBron need the space. They need the space in order to play to their actual strengths and not have to rely on lesser strengths. They're superstar players, so we don't look at them within the context of strengths and weaknesses. It's like, like, oh, I'm the best in the world at this, and I'm good enough at this in order to be the best of the world at these other things too, right? And that's why they're superstars. But I would then argue that shooting... While it's not going to be the thing in most cases that means that you did not win the championship, right? It may mean the reason why you did not win a game. I mean, it was it was a big reason in this series. Again, AD being at the front of that, but the on-court yes. basketball reasons, if we shoot 35% in this series, it, it at least goes seven. But these things are, those are related symbiotic. They look open, but those those legs that are shooting them and they're not as open as with AD and the th- it's just that you got to all of it's got to be incorporated. I I agree to an extent, but like an open shot in the playoffs, especially if you can create an open shot and you've got your feet set. Like, look, I'm not I'm not upset that Alex Crusoe not being able to hit a shot fake sidestep right, you know, out of the right corner type of three. We need coups and we need KCP to that corner three that you make all the time that is part of the shot package that you have. We need you to execute on those. And there were a lot of open and wide open shots that that we missed. Like I get that AD and AD's presence would generate them more and they would be more open, but we missed a lot of open shots, man. Yes, of course. Know. But what do you but what can you do about that? Like what you can't control dudes missing that are capable of hitting open shots. You can't make them hit open shots. No, you can't. No, you can't. But you also can't just 
forgive that they keep missing them. Like, mm-hmm. that's my thing is, and that's where, that's where my strongest pushback against the idea of the value of shooting on this Lakers team being overrated because of what they're building their, their teams toward. That's my biggest pushback towards, towards that is you just cannot continue to miss. And that every other reason, there are always reasons for why things things happen. And we should be looking to contextualize things and bring nuance to the conversation in, in order to best think about why things are going the way that they're going. Because when you drill down, you can then start to find ways in order to correct that, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes right down to it, their job is to defend hard and make open threes, right? And if they're not making open threes, the job isn't to de- to defend harder. Like, no, we're already defending hard. We're doing our best at that end. We're going to continue to do that. That's our job. The other part of the job description, though, is is like, hey, man, LeBron and AD are creating wide open threes for you guys. These need to fall. Your legs are tired. So are theirs. Right. Yeah, we've been chasing them around. They've been running from us on the other end. Everyone's tired of this game. Like, so are theirs. You like LeBron's legs are tired. Anthony Davis's legs are tired. They're not only defending, they're freaking handling the ball and seeing the full thrust of the other team's defense every single possession. You like LeBron is in there banging dudes in the post on both sides of the floor, and so is AD. Their legs are tired, but when it comes right down to it, you don't get that excuse too, right? Like, like I get, I get that not every shot is going to go in and you're going to miss. And, and within the context of the flow of the game, that's certainly acceptable. And no one is saying like, oh, you have to make every shot. But sometimes I feel like that we can't just say like, oh, well, make up for it in in these other ways. Like, no, at some point you have to make up for it by hitting the actual shots that you're supposed to make. Because if you don't, the the odds of the Lakers not performing to the standard in which you need them to perform in order to win the championship goes down How by how much it goes down and and whether or not it impacts the final goal in giant ways i think that that's debatable but i don't think it's something that you can just like throw to the side and say it's not meaningful because you catch it wrong and it is meaningful and last playoffs for the lakers not the elimination one but the one where they won the championship i think it's illustrative of the other way that The Lakers did make enough shots. They did shoot well enough. And the concerns that we all had proved to be invalid because KCP did find a way to hover around 40%. And even if Danny Green did get cold, he did have a few games where it's just like, hey, guess what? Markeith Morris did have some stretches where it's just like, hey, guess what? Like, these are going in. And AD shot like a freaking monster. And, and, and and you add all of those things up and that's that baseline of competency that I'm talking about. It doesn't need to be, oh, we, we're shooting like five Kyle Corvers out there, right? Or five Kevin Durants, but it needs to be like, hey, on any given night, 
one of these guys is going to step up. But there was like, oh, organ shutdown failure for these guys when 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 it came to three point shooting. And, and you die that way. That's how you die. And Frank Vogel tried everybody. He yes. tried everything. So that's where I get I just still get back to this point. So what are you going to do about it? I guess you could just get rid of all the guys that didn't shoot threes well and try some new guys next year. But like, what's the point that we're making? Yes, it's important to hit three point shots to win a playoff series. Agreed. You know, I, yeah, I just, no, but the yeah. point is, but the point is a personnel issue, right? The fact that Vogel did try everybody and the one guy that could do it was Ben McLemore, right? And who comes with the other issues, right? There's a guy on our team that illustrates one of the points that we were making earlier. What I would say, though, is I think we need at least one more guy where the f- it, that's 3 and D as opposed to D and 3. I think that every idea, I believe philosophically in the idea that everybody in the rotation needs to be able to, to defend, especially with the coach that we have. Like, we need to give him the types of guys that – fit his style of coaching. So I believe in that this is a good idea and and the construct is, is but any good idea when taken in too far of an extreme can become an, a bad idea and it can become problematic. Even if it's not in a broad in an overall sense, if you don't value the three-point shot enough, it can become problematic even if the overall idea is is correct. And so that's what I think it's not a a huge turn of the dial it's a slight adjustment right where i think that we need are a little bit out of balance in this respect and need to get back into that space yeah so for the again for this specific postseason right we you just mentioned macklemore he shot 33 percent from three you know like there wasn't even he who was apparently the guy that's just going to be able to bang open threes i i thought this was a, a just a a, a whole team fatigue, all of it hit the wall. Phoenix jumped on their throats. AD goes out, all that. So I'm, but I'm, I'm also going to acknowledge the point that you made about maybe having one more guy skew more towards three and D than the opposite. Uh, and I get that. And, and it's, and it can't be somebody like Macklemore with the no D. So it's gotta be somebody. And here's the problem. Those guys are about as hard to find like a real one. Uh, as as anywhere else in the league right now, aside from stars, right? That is the spot. The easiest thing to find is the center spot right now. Like I, I'm again, we had that whole conversation last pod. Whichever one of those guys you want to plug in, they, they will have at least enough of a skill set around LeBron and AD to probably be fine. So I'm sure that Rob Polinka's got uh, he's got a list, and the Lakers do have a better chance of getting one of those guys than most. So I, I do think that we'll see some sort of personnel shakeup in that context. And, and I think that can play into your point. Um, I just I don't want to back too far off of my little island of what the Lakers had shooting wise this season. Even pro- like I still think that they could have won the title with the personnel oh, of uh, course. with this with this shooting. And so but you're not wrong to 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 want that. And I like that you've actually now given us um, a a solution out of all this as opposed to just, you know, yeah, the shots weren't going in in this series and what's going to happen about it. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm on board. Uh, and I think that's something that they're probably thinking about in the front office. Well, speaking to solutions too, like for all the talk about players and talents and all of that's important, schematically making adjustments as well, right? Like you want to play a certain way. You want to play through, through your stars. You want them to draw attention and then – be able to hit guys for open shots, right? But there are schematic tweaks 
that the Lakers can and should make as well. We won't get into those right now because it's just like that's a whole nother pod about yeah. like things we'd like to see the Lakers do differently or that they could do differently defensive offensively in in order to optimize some of the players that are on their roster a little bit more. And we'll probably have a conversation like that once we do know what the formation of the team is going to look like too, even around LeBron and AD. All of this stuff comes together as a package, right? And it's all intertwined. And that's the fabric of the team and how you build out everything that you want to do in order to compete and win basketball games. And I think the Lakers have that plan set in stone defensively. And I think they were never really able to come to find that same plan offensively. And I think they did that in their championship season. And a lot of that was predicated on health and togetherness and practice time. And I think the, the minds of the players and the film room, all like all of that sort of meshing together in, in this wonderful mosaic that produced a championship. Right. And this past season, it was fits and starts and it was, Oh, we lost this guy and we lost that guy. And this guy's up for a contract. And what do we do? And like, Oh, now a new ingredients here. And Oh, but he doesn't get to play with this guy. Cause this guy's hurt. Oh, this guy's back. Oh, now that guy's hurt. And it's like, so much of that sort sort of just ruined the opportunity of for this team to find what they needed to find offensively and i think that came to a head in well, well, in the playoffs and guys started to press more and they felt like i i i need to do this i need to make this shot i and that's no way to play a basketball game right mm-hmm. because the yep. The the moments are big enough yep. without you pressing, yes. With without you making them even bigger. Right. At some mm-hmm. point, it's just like go out there and do your job. And that's why, to some extent, the Lakers played their best in those moments against the Suns in the at the latter end of like like of the series when there were no stakes. Right. It's just like this game's over. Oh, great. I get to go out there and just play like none of this shit matters. Mm-hmm. Right. And they need to have that mentality a little bit more in the moments that do matter because it will help them, I think. And so it was a cumulative thing that where a lot of stuff just impacted this group. Yeah, there's this is a fascinating discussion to me. I'd love to uh, have a couple of other pods on it because we didn't even talk about like pull up shooting. All we talked about really was three point shooting. But yeah. there's a um, good, news, good news, Pete. We got plenty of time, baby. Plenty of all time. This stuff. That's right. So this is going to be this was a really fun. I really enjoyed this pod, guys. Thank you for the great conversation. Uh, we will continue on this topic at some point. We'll be back tomorrow to cover some uh, general NBA topics. But until then. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed.
a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.